0: This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at saintdave.org. You guys okay over here? We're not used to that much incense. Sorry, that was was a lot. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And you went to the cookie fair and you ate your sweets and you came to church to encounter the cognitive dissonance. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. You know cognitive dissonance, right? It's that thing when, when you know something is true. It's a fundamental fact of the way the world works. And then you encounter some other thing, another statement that contradicts that one thing that you know is fundamentally true. And they can't both be true or how can they both be true? It's kind of a brain breaker. You know when you say, how can these both work? The cognitive dissonance is we know death. You know death. We all know death. We know how it works. We've all experienced loss in our life. We know it's a daily fact. And the definition of dead is you don't get back up. You're dead. In fact, if you do get back up, you are something, but you weren't dead. Right? <laughs> That's just a fundamental fact of the universe. I know of no exceptions, except, hallelujah, Christ is risen. <laughs> Glory to Jesus, indeed. hallelujah. That doesn't make your brain break. Kind of makes mind break. And it's just, what do we make of this? How do we do both of these things simultaneously? How do we acknowledge the scientific worldview that we all know and we all embrace and we all trust with this ancient cry that hallelujah, Christ is risen. And you know, there are certain, I don't know, defense mechanisms or techniques that we all use when we encounter a cognitive dissonance. And it occurred to me this week that the writers of the gospel kind of conclude their story with some of the ways that we deal with cognitive dissonance. So let's just take them for example. You know, the four gospels, they all conclude differently. Mark, the oldest gospel, the shortest gospel, he is in a hurry. He concludes his story this way. And they came to the tomb to tend to his body, and they saw that it was empty, And they ran away in fear and told no one. The end. (laughs) That's actually how the Gospel according to Mark actually ends. The oldest manuscripts say that's the end of Mark. That was such a cognitive dissonance to the early church that finally somebody or some group of people said, we can't just leave it hanging like this. So they write about half another chapter and tack it on to the end of Mark to give you a little more explanation. I just couldn't live with this cognitive dissonance. The Christ is risen, we run away in fear. That's one technique we use when we hit cognitive dissonance. We hear this thing that is contrary to what we know to be true, whatever it is, and we say, nope, <laughs> not true. Can't be true. I already covered the definition of dead. This doesn't follow the definition of dead. It's not true. And so maybe you believe that, and maybe you're still in the church, so you say, it's a metaphor, right? Resurrection's a metaphor. We, it's some sort of explanation of the way the love of God's in our life, but it's not a literal story. That's the way a whole lot of people who are not of the faith think about this story, and that's <clears throat> a way a lot of people who are in the church think about this story. So if that's how you feel, you are not alone. You're in good company, and we're glad you're here. It's just the part of the way we deal with it. Now, look at the way the gospel according to John concludes. John, so in Mark, you know, Mark never says Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus never says he's the Messiah in Mark. John wants you to know from verse 1 that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus was with the Father at the beginning of creation, and then the whole story is John showing you over and over and over that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus saying over and over and over that he's the Messiah. And the disciples and the followers of Jesus kind of coming along. Their their mind is beginning to expand. At first, it can't be true. And then the more they're with Jesus, the more they see Jesus, the more they hear Jesus, they begin to broaden their understanding until these things can maybe both be true. Look at the way John concludes his gospel. It's kind of confusing and it's long. One group, a group of women go to the tomb and it's empty and they see somebody, an angel, they say he's not here but they're still confused. They run, tell the disciples. The disciples come, one believes, one doesn't, right? And then they're still confused. Everybody leaves, Mary's there. She runs into Jesus himself but confuses him with the gardener, right? She does. She's so in a grief, she confuses him with the gardener. And then only when he calls her by name... Does she say, oh, rabbi, teacher, it's you. She had to come along to where she could get to the place where Christ has been raised from the dead could be a reality in her life. This feels kind of normal, doesn't it? It I wonder if this is the way maybe many of us are. And I will confess to you that this is pretty much my sweet spot on the life of faith. I'm coming along, right? You keep talking about the resurrection of Jesus, and sometimes I'm with you, sometimes I'm, uh, you know, but I'm coming along, and I get it confused a lot. Christ has been raised from the dead. No, but that call that I got from my good friend on the worst day of my life, that was just a coincidence, right? Or that thing that happened right when you needed it to happen, Oh, wasn't that interesting? Or that idea that popped in your head right when you needed the idea. I just have really good intuition. I get confused sometimes. But Christ is risen from the dead. Now go to Luke and Matthew. And you have a totally different way of dealing with the cognitive dissonance. For them, it is no secret. You're not going to have a chance to come along. because you're going to experience an earthquake. The whole earth is going to rumble. It's a powerful story that we just heard. It says that there was a guard placed at the tomb. And the the women came to tend to the body of Jesus. And the earth rumbled. And the stone was rolled away. And an angel sat on top of the stone and says, You came looking for Jesus, but he is not here. Go and tell his friends he will see them in Galilee. There is no question about what actually happened. They are not confused. The guards drop almost dead. They're so scared. The women go to do what they're told. They turn and they bump into Jesus himself. Who very um, anticlimactically just says, hi. (laughs) (laughs) And they immediately know it's Jesus. Immediately. No question. No doubt. No coming along. This is Jesus. They fall to worship him. He says, go and tell my friends I'm going to Galilee and I will go before them and I will see them there. All these ways that we deal with cognitive distance in our life and all of these ways are acceptable ways to embrace the spiritual life. And I would suggest that it depends on the day and the experience and what's going on as to maybe where we are in each of those. I think each of us can tell stories where we're just kind of incredulous about it like uh can we just not talk about that and just talk about the other stuff we can all tell stories about how we're coming along in our growth and knowledge in the faith and then i bet if we were brave enough we could tell a story or two about the earthquake about the rumble about the stone rolling away i'd like to tell you about an earthquake I've only experienced two or three of them, and this one, unfortunately, was connected to the death of my father. My father, who was a big, strong, bigger-than-life man, had a heart attack a year the last six years of his life. And the last year, he was in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and he didn't survive it. So we were all there with him when he died, and then we gathered at 7th and James Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, Dad was a professor at Truett Seminary, so the Truett community was there, some Baylor people, some people from Seventh and James, some people from my church in McKinney at the time came down, Chris's whole family, and we all grieved and celebrated my father's life. Our friend Michael Hahn, who has the most beautiful counter-tenor voice, we just asked him to sing something. We didn't even say what. He sang with with the accompaniment of a gentle classical guitar, the old folk song, Lone Wild Bird. Do you know this song? The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight, But I am thine, and I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. This beautiful choice he made was lovely pastoral care for us, and he posited for us a little cognitive dissonance. The universe is in God's hand, this lone wild bird God knows, and God knows you. God knows you, and you are in God's hands. A week or so later, we go to, to Greenwood, South Carolina, which is the little town we lived in when I was a child, and where Dad was on staff at a Baptist church there. And it was much smaller. We had a little service at First Baptist Church. A few of the aged folks in the church that remembered my parents came to, for, to give their respects. And then at the graveside, the cemetery's right there at the church. We're all gathered around the cemetery late on a beautiful sunny morning. And it was just the family. And we did the commendation and committal out of the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer. I think it was my Baptist family's kind of tip of the hat to let me... Do a little Episcopal thing. (laughs) But my mom had become an Episcopalian by then, and she wanted it, which swayed the move, right? But also, I mean, come on, I hate to be arrogant, but is there a better committal and commendation? (laughs) Because I've not seen it, if there is. So we used the prayer book, and we finished, and it was just us. And it was quiet, holding hands, leaning on each other. And then the earth rumbled. Not the earth we are standing on, but the earthquake happened in my faith. It began to rumble, and it began. The stone began to roll, and no, even though we're in cemetery, the dead did not rise and come talking to us, like it says in scripture. It was a lone wild bird, a beautiful red-tailed hawk, flew in over our family, and just circled us, and just sang his mournful song over and over it was the stone rolled away from me it was the angel saying he is not here he has gone before you it was true about my dad and it was true about Jesus they went together he is not here he has gone before you you come looking for the dead he is no longer dead. And so the other cognitive dissonance of dad now resting, waiting for the resurrection of the last day, whatever that means, is 100% true. And he is not here. He has gone before. As Christ has gone before. Because he is alive. These two things, true at the same time, dead. Dead really dead and yet alive the whole universe in God's hands and yet he has me there's another verse in that same beautiful song that, the ends of earth are in thy hands the seas dark deep and the far off lands but I am thy And I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Incredulous, doubt, afraid? It's okay. He has gone before you. You coming along? It's okay. He has gone before you or the earth quaking under your feet and the stone rolled away and the angel speaking to you directly, it's okay. He has gone before you. He has gone before you because Christ is alive. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.